But here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. Your co-host, Julie. Hey, how you doing? Your co-host, Thorsten. Hello, hello again. Welcome back, Jacob. Down to torpedoes, full speed ahead. <laughs> and your co-host, David. We're having a moment here. Wait, what was that? You broke up for a second. What we, was that? Yes, we got about... Oh, no. None of that. Okay, we're having a moment, moment here. Uh uh, well, well, uh, friends, uh, we have two guests, uh, both from New Jersey, Joyzy. Uh, no, that's whenever you hear someone say Joyzy, that's specifically South New Jersey. So, uh, this is not where they're from. They're both in, well, kind of central and Northern Jersey. Uh, if anyone tells you, I'm, cent- huh? I'm sure I would have more to say if I knew the difference. Uh, if you know anything about that part of the country, there's a big, there's a huge, huge difference, especially among Jerseyites. All right, joining us from, um, for, they're both in New Jersey from Laser Beams and Particle Streams Software Incorporated, Arthur Moyer and Paul Blessing to talk about uh, their upcoming game, Rank Warmaster. Welcome back, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yes, happy to be on. Thank you. Now, it's been a, a couple of years since uh, we had you back on. Like you said, almost before we started, you said almost to the day. It was September 2020. Um, so much yeah, has September changed. 17th. Yeah, so much has changed with both the game and this podcast. Since then. <laughs> we have we have more than we've almost doubled our co-hosts. <laughs> And true, true. And I'm, your and your game has come quite a long way from. Uh, I'm just gonna say it was a little broken when we tried it back in 2020. It call it, it what it was. It was a dumpster fire. It, no, no, no. That's that, well. Okay, it's your game. You yeah. can call it whatever you want. Um, it was a dumpster fire in comparison. But uh, the nice thing is, it has come quite a long way since last we played it. Because I got to play. Uh, I got to fiddle with both the tutorials. A bit. Oh, that's good. Uh, b- before they crashed, I'm sorry. But uh, I had to fiddle with both tutorials yeah. a bit. It's early access, ladies and gentlemen, by the way. This game is currently on Steam. It is. And in early access. So there could be some crashes. That's 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 par for the course with early access. And I will directly investigate what you came across and fix it. Before. I, I'll tell you guys all what. If you if you get, if you hit up the, the devs here about a crash on your game, they will be on it in moments. It's it's very it's honestly very impressive because a lot of devs are pretty responsive, but you guys are like, oh my god, I'm gonna fix this right now, and within like an hour, there's a patch. <laughs> you guys did, yeah. It's, I, I want it to be stable. I want to be experienced. Yeah, of course, of course. It's your baby. You've been wor- how many years have you been yeah. working on this thing now? Because we had you on two years ago. Uh, so how long has it been since you started this thing? Oh, that's a trick question. <laughs> Um, as we notice, the copyright says 1997. Wait, wait, for that. wait a minute. What? <laughs> yeah, we were on what? the game. Did you? Ever, I guess you hadn't noticed. Look at the bottom. It says copyright 1997 to 22. Okay. Wow. You, you you're gonna have to explain. Yeah, please elaborate. Like this. <laughs> can you elaborate? Are you implying this game predates Free Space Two? <laughs> 
it predates that, but I guess that's possible. I don't know exactly when that came out. 1999. Uh, no, I, 99. And he, uh, he kind of. Because you have to remember, I mean, to be in all fairness, I was just... The original version of the game was running on Amiga using software. Um, wait. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, what? Okay. Hold Hold the... Uh, so the original version of this game was running yes. on a goddamn, excuse my language, Amiga. I still love those things, but yes. <laughs> Actually, the game internally still thinks it's running on Amiga. Wait, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Wait a minute. What? Are, are, you, are you about to tell us that this game is in fact running on a built-in Amiga emulator? Well, not on a function level, not on a processor level. Meaning, I wrote a wrapper around the Amiga functions to port it to Windows way back when, and oh it God. stayed that way. The good news about that is because the the all the interfaces to the I/O to the sound, the only thing that's integrated throughout the whole game is OpenGL, and so that allows me to port the engine because it is a custom C engine. It's not Unity or anything else like that, which means it over to Linux or moving over to a console, as long as it's got the specs, I just write the wrapper functions to the equivalent of whatever platform it has to go on to, and there it is. So it actually so, works for us versus against us. So what you're saying so, is it's actually go ahead. to port things. Is that what... So, so Okay, so you ported the game from Amiga to Windows PC, and that makes it easier to port to other things. Yes, because you just rewrite the, 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 the two sets of pieces of code that says, okay, this is how you grab memory, this is how you talk to the OS to get the I.O., this is how you do sound. You just rewrite those things. It's using standard TCPIP. Wow. I think our mind... standard uh, BSD stacks, but... Yeah. I think our minds are a bit blown here. I don't think we've ever encountered... Sure. I don't think we've ever encountered a game that originated on the Amiga. <laughs> I've, I've, already, I've already have got, got, got my first question. Okay, and, go ahead. Uh, that's, that's one that, that I'm wondering about uh, the last time you were, you were here on the podcast. Uh, given that the Amiga wasn't never that popular in the US, why the hell uh, did you choose the Amiga? <laughs> Really? Well, I was, I have to remember, I had gotten to uh, the Amiga when I was in high school. And so I would do 3D rendering and do all the rest of that stuff. And so that's, you know, I was on the Amiga before I was on the PC. You know, you have to remember, back at that time, Windows was Windows 3.1, running on DOS. So I had my Amiga for a while actually a long while before I actually ever had a normal, uh, an IBM compatible so at this time. Um, I ported the game over I wrote the writing on the wall. Like I said, I'd actually prototype you know, doing software-based rendering because at the time, that's what you had. Think original Doom uh, or even the original Quake. You didn't have you know, three of the accelerated cards at the time. Uh, and then the Voodoo cards came out. And I saw the writing on the wall. I went, okay, I'm not blind to where the Amiga's going. Um, and when OpenGL came to the Amiga, I went, okay, I can actually change the graphic calls 
to OpenGL and then go that direction. And therefore, I can then cross-compile it from C, which is getting faster and faster and faster. Because at the time, the PCs and the Amigas were neck and neck as far as speed goes. And in some cases, the Amiga was faster in some cases. Um, obviously, that didn't stay that way. And so then it just kind of went from there. And I had a, a functional version of what you would see as the game now uh, by the time 2000, 2001 and 2004 came around, basically. Wow. And so I went out to E3, found out that was not the place to try to uh, sell it. Uh, we met with the Gathering of Developers. Um, oh, God. I remember them. Yes. I I, yep. I went to a couple E3s where they had like I'm gonna I'm gonna wax nostalgic for a second. They had a great presentation at E3. Folks, if you don't remember GOD gathering of developers, they were the ones that are published the original Age of Wonders and a bunch of other great things. And um their presence at E3 was astounding. They had like amazing parties yes. and stuff. Yes. Oh my god. That that hey, I, when I went yeah, that they rented. They didn't want to spend the money to do inside of E3, so they rented a parking lot just outside of the building. Yes, right across the street. Lot. Yes, yes, that was the God parking lot. I remember that. Oh yep. my God, memories! <laughs> I might have seen you there. Oh yes, <laughs> that's funny. Well, I don't think we would recognize each other, but there we right, go. I know. But there were a ton um, of people there. But wow, that would have been funny. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, and so then I realized that okay, E3 was not the place to try to sell this. So I tried again in 2004. Uh, at GDC, and there's a game connection there at the time. At that time, they were the same entity, I believe. And so that was an experience. Um, hmm. And But that's when things ended. Meaning, a lot of personal life things happened. Obviously, no one got up. Uh, it came down to that the developers loved it to death, but any of the bean counters didn't want to touch it. And the only practical advice I got at the time credit where credit is due was from THQ because I, I, I met with them oh. and the guy told me that um, they weren't interested simply because to make you know the gaming industry is a hit driven business and in order to make a hit in the PC market you have to spend 10 million dollars and I didn't think they would recoup that investment on a space game <laughs> You have well, to remember that at the time, Mortal Kombat and stuff like that was all popular. There's a reason why Star Citizen and such, and even Elite Dangerous, has been so popular because of what twenty years where there's no space games. Yeah, there, that like there was a almost fifteen year uh, drought of of AAA type space games. I mean, most of the stuff you had to get was uh, through Eastern European retailers and things like that. Um, yeah, it was a real bad time for space games. Um, well, unless yes. you were here, but that's, uh, right. But also there was, there wasn't really digital distribution at the time either. Yep. So if you're, if, if you weren't, uh, gonna sell your game at Target or Walmart or, or Electronics Boutique, you didn't really have a chance, you know? You're 100% so, right. You're 100% right. And that was the time at the time. So it was sort of like, okay. And because of personal reasons, the game got shelled in 2005. And then, you know, fast forward to 2016, 
Um, now I, I poked at it every once in the blue. It was one of those life regrets, if you don't. Know. Uh, but fast forward to 2016, uh, my mother passed. But uh, fortunately, going positive about that is she left me a significant amount of funds that I decided to go, hey, this was something that was part of my life that I never completed. And now I have a chance to. So in nice. October 2017, I restarted on the game. I went and I had to make a decision. Okay, do I, you know, at the time when I started this way back when, I think it was around, it was an engine, was the Torx engine, really? $1,000 just to get a buy-in on it or something? Didn't have, like, Unity where anybody can download it or Unreal where anybody can download it and for whatever. Um, now, 2017 was different. I'm not debating that. But then I heard horror stories about people developing a game in one of the existing engines and then because they kept changing the engine all of a sudden they had to spend half their time constantly repatching to make it work with, with their game or god forbid they got a mod that their game relied on that worked on one version of unity but didn't work on the next version of unity and they're not updating the mod anymore uh. you know and there was another you know uh, i think it was uh another space game alien like if you're wrong about that which game? At, I think it was called Hellion. Oh, Hellion. Yes. yes. We had the one the podcast, in fact. A yeah. while back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really an up and coming game. And for whatever reason or another, they couldn't resolve the issues with the engine. How I understood it. I'd be very wrong about that. No, I think you're and right. So all these things you know, hit me and went, okay. You know, I'm not a big guy. So, meaning I don't have like a million dollars to throw at this. So if there's a problem with the engine, I'm not going to fix it for me. And then what do I do? And so I went, okay, I have an engine. It's massively dated. <laughs> I'm not debating that. <laughs> but it's mine. There are many like it, but this one is mine. You know? And so I went, so I made a very hard decision of going, or do I just update engine to modern day specs? Uh, or do I go with an existing one? Now, I thought it was going to take much less time than it do so but i did direction of yeah i'm gonna st stick with my own engine i know what it is i know what the problems are i know how to fix it problem and i have been doing that ever since but it's been five years to where it is now the really good part is from a sheer fact of luck um the engine because it's written in c versus c plus plus i can use multi-threading cpus at full speed Whereas the object-oriented versions of game engines cannot, like a 10 or 20 percent speed boost, where I get 100 percent speed boost per processor. Oh wow! And that's made a very big deal with game loading times. For example, you used to take at the time things have changed since then, of course. Um, you used to take like 76 seconds to load the game, and now, at least with the development build, it takes 12. Huh. I have a quad-core. 17. And that to me is a very big difference. Now, in the production version, because the decision was make sure all just reload, I think it's up to 26 seconds. But like I said, from our perspective, if you ever see the live streams or whatever that I used to do, um, you see the, the graphics weren't quite loaded in yet, and they'd be black squares where you'd be, and they'd basically pop in. Well, that's because the other threads are still running, still decoding all the pictures all the textures you know 
And because it can run on the other cores and doesn't interfere with the main one, there you go. I mean, recently uh, I upgraded the uh, the multiplayer to use UPnP to open up. Um, I have that running on a separate thread, so because it takes a while to do discovery and that nature, so instead of having it pause out, it just runs it and then reports back to the main system when it's done. And because it can do that, that kind of thing. I mean, a lot of things I can get into. The reason why object-oriented programming does not work very well with thing, but I'm not sure if you want me to bore you with all that kind of stuff. No, the original answer was how long it took. <laughs> That's why it was a loaded question. There you go. No, we, we, we love that kind of how the sausage is made. So, wait, what is object-oriented programming? Remind me of what that is. I don't know what that is. Okay. Um, to, to explain the problem is object-oriented programming came in vote I guess. Um, you know, we think of it basic or C uh, C plus uh, plus. Any of the modern like C sharp, Java, etc. All object oriented programming. And what that means is, as a programmer, you might have a variable that stores a number. Say, more complex way of doing it, you have you know, a structure, and the structure might be a list of different. And that holds, you know, that might hold the person's name, their ID code, all the rest of that stuff. So it's all in one group. Well, object-oriented programming says, okay, we're going to take that structure to the next level in class. Now, what that class then does is we'll not only store data in it, we'll store, you know, refer to as methods, or you can actually sit there and have it do something to that data. So because it's all in its own encapsulated thing, it makes cleanup and other things much easier. And so, while there's certain complication, um, you know, for what it is, it, it works out pretty well. But then you, that only works though when you have a single thread running all. Where all, where all the problems come in is when you have multiple processors trying to access the same memory. So now you have your data. Um, hidden behind a uh, this object, which means when one processor says, "Hey, I need access to this data," it's okay. Here it is. But if another thread needs access to the data at the same time, it has to wait until first thread is done. And if you have you know eight other threads waiting to do the same thing, they're sitting there stalled out. Which is why you don't get. Uh, that much with speed increase because where they can run independently of each other is where you get the extra speed. If everybody's waiting on one single object, well, think of a spaceship. Spaceship has position, it has orientation, it has the weapons within it, it has the energy it has, it has the, the hit points it has left, all the rest of the stuff. And so if all those things are beneath that object and everybody else is waiting, then why do you have more than one processor? How's that help? That's why Gaming systems and Intel systems, a good example, are all about like single thread performance. Like, how much can we boost the main thread so you get a little bit of boost, even though you have like eight cores, 20 cores, or what you're running these days? The main, a modern game system won't take advantage of all those other cores for the most part, except in mm. certain circumstances. And when you have what's referred to as DOP, which is data oriented, is what C is. Um, all the threads can directly access that memory. All it can do, you know, when 
um, think of a read-write access to a text file or anything else for that matter. If you, something has write access, the other read stuff has to wait until it's done. Once write is done, everybody can read that data at the same time. So if you're talking about ships or anything else like that, you have all these things running simultaneously, and they're not waiting. And so they're all tearing through that, that data very, very quickly. And that's where the speed boot comes in when you're talking about uh, you know, EOP. And now I know Unity is in the process of converting their engine to that because they know that you know CPU, you know, single thread CPUs are not going to get much faster. The theoretical limit, realistically, it'll get like five or ten percent here and there. They'll fund some other efficiencies, but not Moore's law doubling is gone as far as single threaded goes. They can add more cores as much as they want, but they can't just increase the gigahertz of the main thread anymore. You know, not by any significant degree. So they have to change with the times. Fortunately, in my case, because of how I built the thing in the first place, I didn't build it object-oriented. I built it you know, data-oriented. Not that I knew it was called that at the time. It just made sense to me. And so here we are. So now I can multi-thread it out every days, and I get um speed increases. I mean, I have one thread dedicated just to the uh, the train, so it doesn't slow down the main game at all. Now, there's a lot of optimizations I still need to do, but it's easy enough to do. That's stuff underneath. That's why like Stellaris, uh, I heard uh, a lot of my friends play Stellaris. Um, they were saying, it's like, okay, we have all these different like uh, these different factions and everything else all going at it. Can't you just like do something in the engine to make it quicker and multi-threading? And their answer was, on what we can. The only thing we at this point we have to completely rewrite the engine from scratch to make it go any faster because of how things are built. I think they and did that's that. the problem that the modern engines are, are doing. But, I think they did do that with Distant Worlds too, if I'm remembering correctly. Is that the first game was very single thread? Uh, I think it only used one CPU. Um, but I think the new version uh, is multi-threaded, and uh, it it runs a lot better. But uh, that's really interesting that these modern engines like don't even take full advantage of these multi-core processors we all probably have at this point. Uh, but I have they are pivoting, but it's going to take them time. Right. I do have to admit that explains because. And I say this in the nicest way possible because I love 90s games. Your game does have a 90s look to it, which, again, is a good thing in my mind. So (laughs) I think the 90s are one of the best times of gaming ever. And uh, uh, it it really explains the overall, like from what I've seen so far, look of your game, to me at least. It has a very, to me, 90s look to it, which, again, to me is is a good thing. It is a stylistic choice and not the fact it does require a lot of polygons and a lot of modeling. And I, I dig that. I dig that it looks like a 90s game because... There's a reason for it. Oh, okay. It's, it- not a style, it's not a stylization choice as much as I'm probably shooting myself in the head for saying such a thing. Uh, <laughs> it's is it actually... It's, it's much easier to model all that and it requires far fewer polygons. Far less well, no. No, I mean, modern GPUs, you can throw 100,000 polygons at it and they won't blink. Yes, one of the days that of, polygons matter. Yes, but I'm talking for about like the workload for the modeler and the, the designer and texture work and so on. That's true, but they they have like these monster tools these days. 
Um, you, you buy greebles in a pack for like 50 bucks and you throw on little radar dishes and all the rest of that stuff, and it doesn't care. Um, the real reason why the models are low poly by today's standards is because every single triangle has their own hit point. And to keep track of all that, especially across the network, would be extremely difficult if you had 100,000 polys object. Wait, you actually... What do you mean every triangle? What? Every single triangle. That's how you can blow through ships. That's why that all works. That's why the shielding works the way it works, if you've noticed. I even have videos up on my, th- uh, my stream about that. So you have a mesh. You've seen the shielding in the game. And your weapons hit it. It actually says, okay, this triangle has X amount of hit points. It gets down to zero. And that triangle now becomes transparent to the weapons. So therefore, it's through. Therefore, then it hits the hull. Does the same thing, it has X amount of armor at that triangle. That's why it really matters where you hit the armor on the ship. It's not a matter of okay, I hose down the ship and I hope it dies. No, that knows exactly where you hit it, what's there, and what's underneath. So, as I was saying, when you hit the armor, you go through the armor of that triangle, then those are associated with items that are inside the ship, whether it be a reactor or the cockpit or a weapon or whatever else it might be. That's and those get novel. depleted. What's that? That's novel. Yes, it well, I mean, it allows novel. you to blow through a ship. So literally, if a ship was standing still, you sat there with your laser beams, your pulse weapons, or anything else, and just shot the same spot, eventually you will drill through, and it will go out the other side. And even though the rest of the ship is there, you'll see the stuff go through. You'll see the damage on the monitors do that too. Um, there's a on my YouTube channel. There's a, a showing actually, and showing you can actually blow a ship and then hit, hit another ship on the opposite side just for haha's. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> so it, it it matters where you hit the ship and what you blow through at. It also means that if you sit there and roll your ship, you'll probably actually last long because damage gets more distributed across all your armor rather than that one spot. Well, that does explain my experience in chasing down another ship when I was doing the training. I said, well, I I thought I just blew through the shield here. And now I understand why. Yeah, if you blew through the shield in the back and you start hitting it even from slightly off to the side, guess what? That's fresh. Yeah, okay. Wow. Now I, I said, I, I guess I'm used to all the other games I play. It's like when the shield is down, the shield is down. This isn't Star Trek. Yeah, they, yeah, simply, no, they, they, they abstract things a lot more than this game does, it sounds like. Yeah, but rather than shield tastings, it's, it's more like you have multiple points of shields rather than individual facings. Exactly. It makes it more interesting. That's why I have to pay attention to the, uh, the targeting. You see, okay, where is he damaged? Oh, that's where I should be concentrating my fire. That kind of thing. Can you do? Well, se- I'm sorry. Go ahead, Julie. No, I was just going to say, as even though some some people may say, "Oh, well, you know, this is really different." What I like about that is, is this is far too many games when I'm playing a space game. It's like I can just about face roll on the keyboard. Right. And it's like, okay, I don't want to just have to sit there and keep pressing the left. 
one of my friends calls it left click to win. And I said, wow, that re makes me think about where I'm firing on this ship because I said, well, I just fired on this thing and now the, and I'm not through. I actually kind of like that. Now that I think about that, I like that a lot. I appreciate that. But, not not um, that you, you can, wouldn't do it if I didn't like it, but I really like it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, you can actually, there are buttons so you can actually target individual systems. So if you want to hit the reactor or hit their cockpit, that just, answered, the that, that just answered my question. I was going to ask if there was subsystem targeting. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> not that enough. That doesn't game. mean you're not going to miss, but. Right. But I love that you're able to. Like, I, I love. I love like fighter games that allows targeting of subsystems. I really Free Space I, Two player, everyone. Yeah, yeah, and Tie Fighter. Yeah, yeah. Also yes. Tie Fighter. Um, I wasn't a bingo board. <laughs> and also, okay, I was gonna say IL two, but that doesn't have targeting. That just has a really good damage model, which I was going to bring up because I was gonna say that I don't think any game like there are many other games that have that level of detail in their damage model. Besides, again, literally IL-2, which is <laughs> the big selling point of that game is it has an excellent damage model. <laughs> like, it's like, it's, it's like super modular. You can blow all the little bits off the other plane with everything and it's, it's nuts. <laughs> so this game is going for something arguably similar. They're obviously implemented. They're obviously implemented a lot, a lot differently. Uh... My question is, uh, how do I put this? Mm. Uh, how exactly do you uh, make sure it's not overdone and it doesn't become massively overtaxing and uh, the computer doesn't have to process 7 trillion uh, health bars at once because you're fighting like three big ships at once? It actually is as much as a problem as you might think. Um... What happens is internally everything is lines. Everything's operates. It's and so it initially does what's called. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that, please? You cut out a little bit. Could you repeat that, please? I'm sorry. Um, everything inside the game is all point, meaning the line, the line hitting a triangle. That's piece of how the game operates. Oh, it doesn't have like fancy ballistics calculation or something, which would probably just be a murder for any any CPU. Oh, well, I mean, you wouldn't have that kind of thing with um, beams anyway. Beams are always straight line. Uh, the oh, pulses yes. of the missiles are different, but then that's just the movement of those items, and those are calculated much slower, etc. But what it does is it goes, okay, where was I last frame? Where am I now in this frame? I now make a beam that happens to go from where I was to where I am. Did I hit anything? The missile knows where it is at all times and all that. Yes, and so does the pulse for that matter. And so it goes through different layers of exclusion. So there's a thing called RDC, which I forget what it actually stands for. Uh, um, RDC. RDC. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, cutting, you're, cutting, you're was, cutting out a little bit here and there. I'm not sure why. Well, it shouldn't be. I'm not sure All why. Right. That sounds like connection issue. It might be a that connection or you issue. Have your noise, that or you have your noise gate set too high in Discord. Okay. Um, Actually, might be, are you using the like, um, uh, the like sounds noise suppression thing in Discord? I don't know. I don't think uh, so. 
Are, are you using? Um, okay, sorry, folks. Little tech. We 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 try to figure this out usually before the show, but sometimes it doesn't come up till after we're started. Uh, if you're if you're using uh, input voice activity um, yeah. on Discord, maybe turn the sensitivity down. So you go to your settings and then voice and video, and you can turn the sensitivity down, and it'll cut out a lot less. All right, I turn. It was up like at halfway, so I turned down to a quarter. Hopefully that'll work better. Yeah, uh, yeah, it seems to. Yeah, it seems to. Like I, I have mine at around twenty percent. Um, okay. So yeah. Anyway, please continue. Okay, yeah, so yeah, um, so everything internally as far as the damage system is concerned is lines, but it, it sorts everything in three dimensions saying, okay, could this hit any of these objects? And if it doesn't, it discards it, so it doesn't even have to worry about all its triangles. And then what it does is like, oh, I could hit these one or two objects. Okay, great. And they have what's referred to as an octree, which divides up the ship into um, you know eight I won't call it quadrants, but you know what I mean. Sections and say, okay, it's Octans. going through this box. Exactly. And it says, okay, what triangles are in here that I have to look through in the mesh? Oh, these are, and those can get resubdivided. And at a certain point, because, okay, it's not enough to resubdivide any further. Let's then just check a simple line hitting a plane. Where's the intersect? Is it within the triangle boundaries itself? If yes, you hit it there. If no, then it goes out the window. Um, and while to describe it, it sounds pretty, um, you know, lengthy. The uh, for a modern CPU, it doesn't take that much. Um, but if I was doing a hundred thousand polys, I'm sure for everything it would be completely crazy. But fortunately, like I said, you're not doing it against every object for everything, but you are doing it per frame for every weapon. Yes. Uh, I imagine the issue then will be having more weapons than more polygons. Uh, if you get something with, if you get uh, something that shoots out a lot of bullets, it might tank some CPUs. So that'll be something to take into consideration. I'm not a programmer as much as I would like to be, but that's something I feel like I would be w- worried the most about. Here's the reason why I'm not worried about it. I'm not using the other CPUs yet for it, uh, which means I can, can throw them off to the other CPUs. Can you multi? Are you gonna? Can you multi-thread yes. bullets? I mean, sure, if you, if you could do that, then sure, do that. It's a very good yeah, idea. No, no, that, that's, that's, that's not even the problem. I mean, have the system is separate, kind of built for that. But I just haven't I have an entire yet. separate uh, processor thread dedicated to Gatling guns. I mean, if it works. Not even one. You can have as many as you want, as long as you have oh, the thread for it. That was the whole point. That was the, the whole discussion I had before, because all the threads can still access the same base information, meaning... Where the where each ship is positioned, where is the bullet position? Where was it? Where is it? Um, what can it hit, etc.? They're all running simultaneously because none of that changed, <laughs> and therefore you can throw up to other threads. Wow, <clears throat> that's where DOP comes into play. That's where that strength comes in. We don't. We 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 love hearing about all this technical jargon. We really do. We love. Learning how the sausage is made. Because I could never be... I've tried to be a programmer. I've tried several times. My brain doesn't work right for being a programmer, I've discovered. Yes. Um, I can do game design. I cannot do programming. Oh, God. Yeah, I've tried, like... Fair enough. I've tried programming many times, and I always bang my whole body against it. But it's learning... Like trying to talk to an alien. 
Yeah, I can't. It's, I yeah, like that movie Arrival. It takes the entire. It takes days and days and days to talk to the freaking alien. No, um, but we always love hearing about like how different engines work and how how uh, different things utilize different things and and the fact that like your custom engine one was built for a completely different system that no longer exists really. And two, but hey, if it works. And and two could be as multi-threaded as you're saying. That's can have. It, I guess it gives you a lot of flexibility to make the game as either big or as detailed as you want. Pretty much. I mean, I, I know everybody's is complaining about the low polyness of the different objects, but I put in a 52k object into the game to see what would happen and handle it fine. Huh. Um, so it's not it's not an issue of the engine. It's an issue of I'm well aware that the damage model would go ridiculous if everything was that big. Um, mm. But what, believe it or not, back in the original original version, I ran into the same thing. Most of the um, problems I have uh, back then was right now everything's around 2,000 polys. Back then everything was around 100 to 200 polys. And it was like, oh, well, everybody's going to think this looks absolutely horrible because it's only 100 polys, so I have to make everything look 2,000. This is, like I said, you know, 15 plus years ago. So I did come up with a concept, I never implemented it, of sort of mapping the, the, the higher poly models to the lower poly damage mesh. That's uh, what Nebulous did. That's something Nebulous Fleet Command did. And oh, that's right. what I intend to do. So... Someone was t- talking to me. It's like, well, are you married to these low poly models? Like, well, only for the damage system, but I've already figured out a way of, you know, you don't, most of the time, the ships are so far away. It didn't matter. If it, was, it, it could have been a million polys. You're not going to see it. It's a, it's a few pixels. It doesn't matter. So that part, you leave the low poly model. If they get close enough, you switch the display to the high poly model, but all that the hits will still just be on the low poly model. Well, so as long as the mesh, sorry, go ahead. That's called level of detail or LOD. It's been a pretty yes. standard feature in games for years now. So uh, pretty much, yes, that's a, so that's it's absolutely it's doable. Yes, it's completely hundred percent doable. I, I figured it, was, it would not really be a problem. It's just I have not been in a position to do that yet. So, yeah. so onto the game itself. Uh, oh, sorry, do you mm-hmm. have something else you wanted to say? I'm, I apologize. No, 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 I'm done. I'll okay, ramble. folks, we don't use don't cam. We don't use cameras, so we're going to interrupt each other every now and again. We don't use cameras because no one needs to see this. No one needs to see. <laughs> no one- I mean, Brian, you're the one that normally appears on camera on your streams, but by myself, sure. by myself. <laughs> <laughs> my wife doesn't. Need, my wife. My wife is happy about the green screen because then she never shows up on camera. You know. <laughs> well, well, that she would just wear green all the time. Is that how she does it? <laughs> if you want to come into this room, honey, you have to wear the entire green outfit. Put it on. Anyway. <laughs> See, I wanted to say about the the way you're doing the you know the triangles, and I am I'm not a programmer. I'm all like a. Where I work, I'm a finance person, but uh, and a program, a project manager. But uh, I used to be in finance, so I got you. But what I really appreciate about this, and I, I guess this goes back to what Luke and I, I understand a lot of people don't like Star Wars, but I do. And when I 
go back to what Lucas did with some of the earlier movies. It's kind of a it it kind of reminds me of some of the old World War Two uh, movies, right? And the dogfights. Mm-hmm. And just this last weekend, I and my friends we have a movie night. And we were watching Greyhound, and at one point, halfway through the movie, right, the commander of the fleet takes a hit. But it's above the water line and it blows up one of his guns, you know, and it's like, try again, you know. And I said, this is why I guess I like it, because it's like, okay, if I hit the ship where the engines are, it's dead in the water. But if I don't hit that, it's like, he's going to turn around and blow me out of space. Yeah, I mean... A lot of the game, the as soon as you like knock out an item inside a ship, it cha- immediately changes its performance. So if you hit the main thrusters, that only makes you go forward. The anti-inertial thrusters, if you want to call it that, lets you turn and lets you move around, so it will slow down. If you just hit a weapon, that weapon no longer works. Uh, if you hit the cockpit, it just sort of keels off into the ground because gravity takes it, you know, because you just killed the pilot. That kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's all about that damage model. I mean, to me, that's what really matters. Unfortunately, it doesn't give the same satisfaction because you kind of want to always see something blow up. The game wants you to do salvage, which means if you blow it up, there's nothing to salvage. So what it does is if there's any functional items left, you can send a salvage ship out and it will start to eat it, if you will. And you can get tech and certainly uh, resources from that. So that's partially probably what you you also experienced with some of the crazy things you did. See, something else I wanted to bring up, and nobody's talked about it yet, and uh, I guess it's part of the things that I like about some of the space games. And yes, I'm going to talk about EVE Online very briefly, and that's because the worst part of EVE Online is being trying to do the industry and get ganked out of space. But what I used to do is I loved the industry part where I could just sit in the space station and manage my settlements on a planet. Mm -hmm. And this time around, as opposed to when you were on the show the first time, I really started to get into the base building. And I said, this reminds me a lot of that. It's like, well, okay, first I'm going to set down the the reactor, and then I'm going to put down my my mine shaft here, but the mine shaft has to have some place where it's going to put it, so I got to put it down my refinery, and I've got to research. You know, I... It got to the point where I said, you know, forget all the combat stuff. I'm just going to do the base building part. And that's where the multiplayer comes in. Because then if you have someone who just wants to do the base building, they can be as happy as a clam just doing the base building and doing the research. I mean, you can upgrade all those buildings you put down. Uh, uh, or even upgrade wait, the, you, the turret weapons, for that matter. Are you doing like... Okay, in that case, I have a couple of questions. Because I've not actually looked at the multiplayer and how that's going to work. Sure. Uh, because... How do you like? Are you doing like the natural selection thing, where some when one person is like managing uh, the RTS side and having everyone else in fighters or ships or produced units? No, yes and no. Um, uh, natural selection, and I think with Savage was before that. When you were locked in that role, you were locked in that role. You're not locked in anything. Ah, I see. If you want a base build and you're a fighter jock and you got nothing else better to do, you go to the RTS screen and you can order around the builder bot or you can make your own builder bot out of the factory and you go off and build your own city or start adding stuff to this current city if you sort of really like it. 
You know, Fair there's enough, nothing but... stopping anybody from doing anything. Yes, but so it's, also uh, been... yeah, I say it's closer to executive assault too in that regard. Then right, which also leads into uh, into another question: How do you okay? Because I am sort of person that doesn't enjoy competitive games, but understands how they work. How do you balance that much freedom with the fact that, say, you have an entire team where no one wants to do the base building? How are they going to do anything? Simple. You make a mayor AI. <laughs> okay, that works. Uh, Wait, say again? You what? The game, I understood going into this that not everybody wants to do everything. I'm a micromanager. I love all doing everything because I'm insane. Um, but not everybody wants to. Some people just want to fly around and shoot stuff. Some people just want to base build. Some people want to just research and figure out grand strategy. Who knows what else? The point is, is that the game has in built to it. You go to the asset screen. There's a thing, a thing called a, you know, create AI. Um, it creates an AI helper. So maybe you don't want to do the logistics between cities. So like that's boring. Why would you want to manually do a cargo run? Well, you make an admiral, and so guess what? That's your duty. Um, if you're a war master and you go, you know what? I don't want to sit here and deal with building a fleet and all the rest of that stuff. Admiral, go kill that city for me. I'm going to go over here and do this. If you don't want to do grand strategy, you can actually have a war master AI above you, and he'll order you around because you just want to go around killing things. Now, not all of that is implemented, but it's implemented on the AI side. It's only partially implemented on the player side. In a multiplayer situation, you can designate roles as you feel like it because anybody can do what the hell they want to do. You can have everybody on the same team. You can have mix and match on different teams and still have an AI enemy or not. You know, it's all interchangeable. Uh, what it reminds me of. Oh, it reminds me a bit of uh, the game that I keep mentioning because it's really good, Angels Fall First. It's not a direct comparison, but in that, but that game also has uh, that feature of having essentially an AI commander, and mm-hmm. that can technically be played by a human, except no one ever bothers because it's less fun than going out there and shooting people, at least for now. Right. Uh, but okay, that is good because that means you can just do the things you like doing. But of course, it also means the AI has to be really good at its job. And I'm working on that. We we did recently, recently being months ago now, like a year probably, uh, upgrade the AI to use what's called the Infinite Access Utility System. So it thinks, not in a modern day deep learning kind of way, but not in a state machine kind of way. Okay, so it's somewhere in the middle. I actually, uh, like machine learning is something I've, okay, I haven't done myself, but I have uh, gone on, like I have, I've gone through univer- to university, and part of uh, part of it was uh, like dealt with AI and how that stuff worked, and I'm morally mm-hmm. interested in it. So it's not like proper machine learning, but it's cap- but it's somewhat algorithmic at least from the side of it. This is it's an interesting thing. It was meant, I think, originally for an MMO where they were doing like a hundred thousand different units all running the same simultaneously and not or to you know kill itself. So what happens is there are a series of curves meaning mathematical curves. Mm-hmm. And so based on the environment, it makes a decision based on the environment. So each input of that environment says, what's the likelihood you'll do this in this circumstance? What's the likelihood you'll do that? Now, I mean, for each consideration, not for the end uh, action, each action has a series of considerations and they all get multiplied together and whoever has the highest score wins and that's what the AI decides to do. So, so as it, a good example, go ahead. So it is kind of machine learning. It actually resembles a learning algorithm. 
it, it doesn't learn, but it knows how to interpret the environment. And it makes okay. a decision based on the probabilities of different things. I see. So it's so it doesn't have like preset uh I'm sorry I'm asking a lot of questions, but this is actually something I'm interested in. Uh, so it does have fine. like a preset, uh, preset algorithmic things it does when X. It has essentially right. a weighted uh, kind of, uh, kind of a input and outcome system where it's measure where it takes. The it's, it's a weighted decision. Um, is the best way to describe it. Meaning, what you originally were talking about is what was referred to as a state machine, where they go, I'm at this stage, I complete this stage, I do the next stage, it's a process, I do that one, the next one, the next one, the next one. And the problem is, it doesn't handle when the environment changes. So as a good example, the biggest problem with the earlier versions of the game was a builder bot would go off and start building a building, and it would sit there, and if you shot it, it would just sit there and still build the building, you shot it some more, and eventually it would die, because it's stupid. All right. Yeah, this is a common issue with old, even older RTSs. Is that they the and even some newer ones is that the AI, if the AI is solid state like that, it is extremely predictable and very easy to exploit. Exactly. So what this thing now does is it does two things. It one goes there's a universal with all the ships that if they're getting shot, despite what they're doing, it goes high priority. I'm getting my ass hit. Move, Run change, away. dodge, do something, run away. What a builder bot will also now do, because it's a coward, it goes, I have no guns. If I detect a bunch of people coming, me, enemies coming, and they have guns, I will now run. Even though I'm building, I will now flee before they get here. Before they start shooting. Before they start shooting. Oh, and wow. he won't come back and go back to what he was doing until they're not there anymore. Now, it does consider that you have your own fleet there. So if you have enough to make it feel comfy, it will stay. But if you have like one guy and one turret and there's a fleet of 10 ships coming in, he's booking. Wow. I might... Okay, that's good, though I do want to mention something. I don't want to add to the scope creep of this game because I'm about to mention some... I'll mention that later. But I feel like a lot of like really hard-ass micromanagers, like StarCraft... We'll get upset at that. Yeah. Yeah, like they would kill you for that on the spot. Yes, they would say I, I'm not debating that. I'm the opposite. I'm like, yeah. please, I don't want to micro everyone. Please go do that well, yeah, thing. For me, go. that's fine. But yeah, for I'm me, that's great. What, what should be there is some <laughs> degree yeah. of like AI independence setting, something like Supreme Commander had, because yeah, Supreme ooh. Commander was a really good game. We have been talking about and it's kind of one of the banes of the game right now is we have a configuration screen we've been meaning to add another screen to put all these little nuances into it and one of them would be that because some people really do hate that the builder bots run and but some people go well no that that makes sense because how often have you played the rts game well the builder bot just goes right into the enemy it's like why are you so stupid why are you dying Run, run, why don't you run? Yes, but also you know. a lot of, again, hard-ass RTS players got used to that, and that's what they expect their units to do, and they learned right. appropriately. Yeah, so th- there's a lot of little options. So we should add that to the non-existent like, configuration option. So Like an AI slider to say uh, what to do under attack. If you, if you right. want your AI to be more passive, uh, to uh, run more often when when they are under threat, or if you want them to just be dedicated to the task and do it regardless of the cost. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that'll be the thing to actually add in, and I'll probably add it in as a slider. I was thinking of this all and off. Now, 
I have very loaded question. Uh, ready your bingo cards, everyone. Because the okay, game has that's... been in development for 25 years, according to uh, the copyright. <laughs> All right. But for that, have... realistically, there's like, there's like a 15 year break. So yeah. do you have an actual end goal for how the game oh, is certainly. supposed to yes. look like? Yes. Yes. Um, and like, realistically, it got rebooted as far as development in 20, uh, 2017 October. So it just means I had a, a base point to work from. Okay. Um, the intention is originally, I'll fully admit, full ambition was to, you know, the whole solar system and all the moons and all the rest of that stuff, etc. And then things took a lot longer than I expected. And that's yeah, that tends to happen. That tends to happen. <laughs> so I'm cutting down the ambition of at least what I refer to as the 1.0. I do consider it alpha right now. It's not in beta, uh, but it's very playable. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's early access. Call it what it is. Uh, beta means you're not adding features, and I'm adding features. But my intention is to make Mars fully playable, and to call that the 1.0, and then depending on the success of the game and stuff like that, um, do the other planets. That was always the intention. The always intention of the storyline was, you, you know, Earth got cut off, you don't know why, um, you're starting to build stuff up on Mars, you take over that, you get enough stuff to, to build an FTL drive, you go back to the moon to discover what happened to Earth, and you find out the storyline about that. And so you do the battling that's on the moon, the Earth's moon. And then once you discover how that one went down, you realize there are people out on Jupiter and its moons, more accurately the moons, and then you go from there to Saturn and its moons. And then you go to Pluto. Now, the storyline's supposed to be that... Um, this is right when humanity is discovering faster light travel. And they actually sent an expeditionary force out to Alpha Centauri. Now, at the time, they had FTL, but only at the high end, so they were supposed to build a jump gate out there so they can come back very quickly. So Earth was supposed to build its own jump gate, but because of political problems, it didn't happen, and the Earth defense grid got turned onto itself, meaning onto the planet, and therefore you can't approach the planet anymore. That's the, the, the background premise, anyway. Ooh. So the point is that they start, they lost communications with Earth, and so they got their jump gate up and running, but without the receiver jump gate, they they couldn't send anything you know through, so they kept modifying it to send that much more and more mass through. And so eventually they got a probe through, and the discovery was like, well, hey... Um, Earth is cut off. Who are these guys? We're the, if Earth is cut off, we're the, what's left of legitimate government. Of course, everybody else out there doesn't feel that way. So they, not debating a la Nash of Orion, uh, start sending more and more uh, you know, ships through that have all the high tech because they never lost all the technology. And so when you eventually go through all this and battle not only the other enemies, but these guys that are coming in to harass, when you finally get to Pluto, unbeknownst to you, they've been setting up a base on Pluto. So they have the jump gate on in the Earth's solar system almost ready. So you're going in there and you're blowing them out. And the idea is that once you do take that over, you then go through the completed jump gate and hit them in Alpha Centauri. And that's the end game point. And what's supposed to do is supposed to lead into the sequel where you expand all this to a galactic level. Just like, hey, you won all the rest of that stuff. And then some giant ship accidentally crashes into one of your satellites and you realize you're not alone. And then it 
you expand out rather than just your solar system and the other solar system. But that you that's have all the a other ways off. Go. That's a ways off and may never happen, depending on how this one goes. Hmm. But that was the idea of the storyline. Right. And, and, and there the is, shorter term... Go ahead. And the reason why I said bring your cards because I was going to give you some uh, hearty advice uh, long t- of a long-time uh, Space Game Junkie uh, host... Don't star citizen yourself into never finishing the game. <laughs> yes, I'm very well aware of that. I mean, originally the game was supposed to have an FPS in it. If you look at the the demo from uh, back in 2000, 2001, you can actually run around the ships. Uh, yeah, that's again, that's that's part of the reason why I said that is because I see oh, yeah. a, I see a person that tries to go, oh, it's going to have this, oh, it's going to have this, oh, it's going to have this, and I just go, okay. <laughs> Where's the end goal on that one? We've yeah, done this song and dance bad. before. <laughs> yeah, no, I have. I mean, like I said, that's why I decided to put the rain back in the scope and say, look, Mars, while it does have some bugs there, that's going to be the one point out. Honestly, and that's if no one cares, then that's where we'll stay. That, that, that sounds like plenty. Unique, I feel. That sounds like yeah, plenty. I mean, it's a whole bu- planet. Your whole planet is building, planet, and it's representing real size. Yeah, and you're building cities, and those cities work together, uh, and and you're flying around the cities, and you're defending them. Yeah, there's one planet seems older. like plenty with this game. Yeah, all due respect, uh, like most of the stories we have have been centered around you know the planet Earth. Like one planet is plenty if you do know enough with it. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, no, I agree. Agreed. And we're going to have other story stuff and other events and other stuff that's happening. It's not just going to be, oh, we've got to find the other city and blow it up. you got to get nodes, which have your resources. Those nodes give you perks. So you can then, like, set up, you know, there's, like, uh, repair and the, and the salvage beams or tractor beams, which you can grab stuff. So you can grab stuff that way. There's supposed to be a whole bunch of, there's a whole campaign uh, thing, which is what the tutorials are written in. Boom. Um, engine in there, so the idea is that we're going to add in more and more and more content. So it's not just okay, I'm blowing up cities. It's it's going to be more than that. So yeah, even one planet is going to be sufficient. Let's trust me. I'm trying to keep the scope creep from not killing me. <laughs> so it sounds like right now, because basically it's two games in one. It's a kind of a city builder, and and mm-hmm. and kind of a space fighter. And yes. speaking from experience, don't try to add a third one. That's uh, well, right. It's where things oh tend to break gosh. down. Right. Yeah, but what oh, I'm yeah. saying. Oh, yeah, no, you're 100% right. 100% what, I'm, what I'm saying is, it sounds like eventually you'll be able to delegate what you want to do in the game and have the AI do the rest. Like, I want to work, focus on yes. building the city. You, you go fly off, you go fly the battles. Or I want you to build the city, I'll go fly off the battles. I mean, that sounds Hold like. On. Because we have to break this up now, because uh, it's another game on the list uh, that I just <laughs> forgot the name of. Oh no! The big, the big forex that that you like, the one that uh, distant worlds. Distant, yes. Distant worlds. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, it has a similar uh, level of automation. Yes, mm-hmm. it is uh, basically the same premise when it comes to the automation and delegation of tasks to AI. It's also really good. Yeah. No, that sounds that sounds perfect. Honestly, because it and it sounds like you just like unlike Savage and whatnot, like you mentioned earlier, you can jump between the two, however you want. Uh, it reminds me of a low poly X four foundations, eh. except you can't hop in the cockpit. 
Well, I guess you can hop in the cockpit, can't you? It reminds me of X4 Foundation, low poly X4 Foundations. I take a it all bit, back. A little bit. I guess you just can't do yeah, EVA. Yeah. I guess you case can't do EVA in this. Like you can't, Please don't. No, you can't which do is fine. Not enough. Which is fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I actually did buy mocaps for it. <laughs> I do love, however, how Star Citizen has gotten us to the point where we're no longer like the, the game is asking, please add more features and going, please, please just finish just the stop. game. Just stop. Just stop. We've just had just enough. Do it. Just, we have had enough. Just just finish it, please. Yeah. Anyway. No, no, I, I hear you. No, I, I'm trying to. No, not you. Well, <laughs> heck, I've got the game. I can play it now. Who cares what anybody else wants? <laughs> But no, I mean, I really uh, appreciate the ambition of this thing, even though you're you're kind of tightening the scope, which is probably a good thing. Like it's, it's yes. it sounds like it's probably a good thing to focus just on Mars for this initial go, and then like if it yeah. does well, it sounds like if it does well, you can build upon this foundation, basically. Oh, easily. I mean, there's the planets. I, I have what's called a breakdown. Is this was called subdivisions. So think about the I twenty. You played role playing game. You know what die twenty so it's isohedron. Each of those triangles yeah. are broken down into four triangles, and then each of those are broken down again. So this was referred to as a sub nine in my case, where each there are nine subdivisions, which gets it down to about five miles. And then I have a normal parallel noise mesh. But the point is, is that that same application can be done to any other sphere in the solar system. So once I actually have Mars ironed out. Do the other planets other than getting their height map is pretty simple, believe it or not. Mm. I, I don't know if I'm gonna have the, the physical memory to do it, that's a different situation. Um, so yeah, there's no loading screens. If you know this, you can go to anywhere on the planet and it's just instant, which is pretty awesome, you know. And, and so, but there's a cost to that, hence the memory issue that I mentioned, right? So that's why I'm sitting there going, it's like, well, it works great for Mars, but I don't know if it's gonna work great for having everything all. Loaded right. simultaneously, and how we're going to handle that. So we're probably so talking. Sure Sorry, go ahead. Well, I just—I no, I know it's been brought up once before, but you know, I, I think about what happened with Mythic Studios. They were—I've uh, spoken with a number of times with member of the studios when they were still a thing, and um, I think part of why there is no more Mythic Studios is they refuse to listen to their fans and the players. And I, it's why I really appreciate when I went online, and I will admit I was hesitant at first, and I saw the difference, and I was wow, these devs had a problem, and they fixed it. I am really pleased that you were willing to do that, listen to your fans and the community. So thank yeah, you Yeah, I, I desperately try to. And like I said, I know you guys had crashes. If you can tell me offline what happened, I will get right on it like immediately tonight, like tonight. Because it's sort of like I don't want them to be there. If I can repeat it when I go out there and play again now, I'll tell you. But it's kind of like a, I want to be able to repeat it again first. Fair. Of course. I mean, what what's horrible is those it just randomly happens. It's like I can't fix that. Right. Now, the good news is there is a crash log. I mean, we've actually upped our game with the crashes. In the directory where oh. the game is installed, there are several logs. Uh, there's the net log, which is persistent within the game anyway, whereas the other log that's rwm.log is a per-frame log. But what's even more important in this case, there's a separate other file called crash log. Oh. And so 
happens now is when some when it when it blows up, crash the desktop, you look in there, it will at least tell me what function it died in and what line number it died in. Which is something that has been very helpful. This is yeah, a, oh I see it. Pretty awesome. Yeah. I see it. I'm gonna awesome. I see it in the directory. I'm gonna send it I'm gonna send mine to you right now. Okay, yeah, I, I pretty never... awesome because uh, because we used that uh, a lot last night. Really. Was great. There you go. Um, oh, my my uh I'm sorry, go ahead. No, so we're talking, we're probably talking, because we probably need to wrap up soon. It's been over an hour. Uh, so we're probably talking at least another year or two of early access. Or do you have any kind of like thought in mind on how long it's going to be? Or just it is what it is? You know. It's like asking a movie producer, it's like, is their movie ever done? Ah, um, fair. You know, but I'm fair. not going to go down that road because I don't intend to. It depends. It's a matter of if we get funding and stuff like that to really keep pushing it, it'll be done sooner than later. Okay. If it doesn't, then, you know, realistically, most the reason why you're it's mostly playable is it's mostly playable. It means it's mostly done. Um, so. When is the 1.0 going to come out? I won't put a date out. That's sort of shooting myself in the head, <laughs> but it'll probably be sooner than later. Um, do I think it's going to be two years? No. Okay. Do I think it's going to be, you know, I mean, could we still be adding content in two years? Yes, absolutely. Do I think it will be take two years to get the 1.0? Absolutely not. Um, the okay. remaining parts that are left are mostly all there. They just need to be tweaked, tested, balanced, that kind of thing. Um, there are some glaring bugs that I'm well aware that they're there. Um, the AI needs to be improved. I'm not debating that. It's not so much the engine part needs to be. I just had to give it the commands, if you know what I mean, the actions. It's like, okay, under this circumstance, I need you to consider this possibilities. Do this, that kind of thing. Um, so, for example, I just wrote, uh, improved the or created the uh, salvager AI. So now if you make a salvage ship and you got salvage beams, you got a cargo bay in it and that kind of thing, and you give it the orders to go salvage, it will run around the battlefield on its own, pick up salvage for both friendlies and enemies, and when it gets full, or when there's nothing left for it to do, it will go back to the main base and unload. And it'll wait there until there's something else worth the salvage, until you tell differently. Oh, nice. So, that's what it's doing. Um, so that's what it means. So right now, I'm still building up the Warmaster AI and the Admiral AIs. The Mayor AI is pretty good. Um, he can maintain the city, etc. pretty well. Um, but the Admiral's Albany's still dumb. The Warmaster AI is good enough, but not what I want it to be. So that's what I'm currently actually working on or anything else, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I, like I said, I can go on forever about this, but once those AIs are done, right now in the main campaign, you're an eye shot of the enemy. It's not meant to be that way. You're supposed to go find him. They're supposed to go find you. Which means I've already written the AI parts, at least in process, for the admirals to create scouts and to send out patrols to go scouting air, different areas, etc. I'm just in the process of implementing it. Which means if they come across you, then you become a target, and then you know you know what happens. Uh, but you didn't. You have to do the same thing. That way, we can start spreading out the starting cities. And you don't know what you're going to find. You might find some weird thing. You know, weird. Uh, you know, event in the game. You might find the node. You might find the enemy. They might find you. 
you know, and that expands what the game's supposed to be. So that's my current shorter term right. goal. And once that's really there, you really have the solve. Then we're just adding in content, you know, and bug fixing, of course. Well, it sounds like you have a really uh, focused plan going forward, which sounds great to someone like someone like us who uh, to people like us who just keep seeing like games like Starsis and like we didn't have a roadmap. What roadmap are you talking about? No, we didn't ever. You had a roadmap. No, we didn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I definitely have a roadmap. I I need to officially publish it in some way. Um, and I haven't. So I'm not that good at doing big write-ups. I'll be the first one to admit that. But it, there is a roadmap. There is. I can distinctly tell you what's left and what needs to be done. And there's really, on paper, not a lot. Implementation, we'll see. <laughs> if you know hmm. what I mean. Okay. Um, but you've seen like the graphical improvements that I've done. Yeah. Um, no, the game. I mean, the game. VR and, and the game definitely feels a lot better than it did two years ago. A lot better. So I do appreciate that. So you have no idea. Yeah, no, it's really coming along nicely, and it it's starting to feel like a game I could definitely, you know, see myself playing more and more as it's coming together. Because I love city builders and I love you know space fighters. And this is both of those things. And and so that sounds freaking great. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I was just demoing it over the weekend. Uh, there was a, uh, a games festival. And yeah, I was showing it's like, hey, look, I'm just going to here. I have my five guys with me. Oh, I got blown up. Okay. Hit the button. I jumped to it immediately to one of the other ships, and I still kept flying. And then it blew me up again. It's like, all right, I just kept hopping between all my ships. I went, you know what? I must be terrible because I just died. All my ships died because I hopped in and I, and I, I killed a bunch of them, but they definitely got me. But that's kind of the point, though, is that if you are just one of the fly ship, go in there with a squadron. They'll do their own thing until you get blown out of the sky. And you will. You hit a button. Mm-hmm. You jump to one of the other ones. You keep playing. That's the idea. You don't skip, you skip a heartbeat at best. You know. Awesome. Um, so if that's really what you just want to tear it up, it, it can definitely do it. And it matters. You know, so if you need it, it's like, okay, I don't want to destroy all my fleet. Maybe you want to get out of there. So you tell your guys, like, okay, for me, we're, we're heading out, you know. Right. Don't get me going on this thing, because I will never shut up. I <laughs> know. No, that's fine. So, uh, folks, the game is Rank War Master. It is on Steam now, currently in early access. It is in alpha right now, so you might have some crashes. You might have some bugs. But, again, the developer's here. Uh, oh, we didn't talk much about the art. We had the artist here. We didn't really talk about the. Yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. Like I said, I sorry. Told you. <laughs> no problem. We, no problem. We we do like the art. It's it's got Thank a very you, it's right. got a very distinct style again, which I I appreciate. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I appreciate the compliments all the same. Um, but yeah, yeah folks, he's been working. So turning everything to the PBR and adding all the glows and the emissions and everything. It's it's such a big thing. Right. Well, it's it's really coming along. Really it's really coming along nicely. I have to say how impressed how much pro- as as to how much progress you guys have made over the last two years. It, it feels like an actual game now, like that I want to play. So well done. Um, so folks, I appreciate that. Thank you. So folks, the game again is Rank War Master. It is currently on Steam Early Access. It is in alpha right now, so you might have some crashes. You might have hit some bugs. But again, these guys are very responsive when you uh, report bugs to them, either uh, via Discord or or via Steam uh, forums. I'm guessing you guys are pretty active there as well, yeah. I, I reckon. Okay. We are. Good. Um, 
So that's going to do it for this episode. Next week on the show, we're going to be welcoming the developer of this is a, this is a game we've been asking for for years. We've always wondered why isn't someone made Euro Truck Sim Two in space? Like why hasn't someone done that? Someone's yeah. finally doing that. Someone's finally oh, really? doing Excellent. that. Yeah, it's called Astro Trucks. And we're going to have now it's going to be tough because this guy also worked on the burnout games. And so it's going to be very hard for me not to talk about burnout for half the show. Um, it's going to be very okay. difficult for me because I love the burnout games. So it's going to be very difficult for me to not talk about burnout the entire time. But uh, yeah, that's going to be next week on the show. And then tomorrow for the stream, we're going to be playing a uh, card based space fighter game called Void Grim. Which hopefully will be better than this is gonna be an interesting one. Hopefully it's better than this morning's game. That was a that was a mess of a thing. Um, I you'll have to ask later how, the, how that went because I have to watch the stream. Sorry. Uh, it was a great idea with a horrible execution, which is basically how it went. Oh, um, so folks, that's gonna do it for today. Uh, great chat today. Thank you everyone in the chat for being uh, so active. Very good uh, seeing everyone. And with that, we'll see you back here uh, next week. Have a great one, everyone. Be safe, be well. Please get vaccinated if you haven't already. Uh, we all have to get through this. And that's one of the best ways we will is if we listen to science and uh, get vaccinated. So have a great one, everyone. Take care. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.